Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting-edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, that's good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is James B. Friel. I am super excited to be here today. I am joined by my bearded co-host from the United Kingdom, Mr. Dean Holland. How in the world are you, my friend? <laughs> I am amazing. Just, uh, just actually returned from vacation, so I'm even more amazing, and I'm excited for this call. From vacation? What's that? I don't think a lot of entrepreneurs know what that means. <laughs> uh, well, I actually went to uh, Cyprus, which I thought was in Greece, but I was very eloquently told by at least 100 people when I made that comment on Facebook that I have no idea what the heck I'm on about. So, uh... <laughs> Do you now know where Cyprus was? Do you know where you were or were you in such a drunken haze that you, uh, you weren't even sure where in the world you were at, the, at that point? <laughs> I'm a reformed character. I must have had about five drinks in eight days. This is wow. Yeah, I even got up early. This, this is, is uh, this is shocking news. So we're here today <laughs> with the new Dean Holland. Right. Um, I I don't know if the uh, do you think the same trumpet is appropriate when we introduce you from now on, or is <laughs> is that okay to keep? I think we can keep that. All right. Good. So Dean, as you know, today uh, we are joined by Melinda. Melinda, how are you today? Hey, I'm great. It's great to be with you guys. It's good to have you here. Are you, uh, are you ready for this? <laughs> oh, as ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> I don't know what you have in store for me, but sure. Well, we don't either. That's part of the fun on the show. We're not sure what's going to happen. <laughs> okay. Before we launch into all the amazing things that you do, so you guys know, we're going to get into some really interesting conversation with Melinda, serial entrepreneur, you know, started a number of successful companies, is big in the female entrepreneurship space. And uh, we're going to talk about all those cool things. But I told Melinda that one of my goals for this show today is to get to know her as an individual as well. And so I really do want to start with that. Where in the world did you get the idea that you wanted to become an entrepreneur in the first place? Like, how does that happen? Because we, we have a small camaraderie of people like us and I'm always curious to know how, how you got bitten by that bug. Yeah. So my grandmother was really the first to diagnose it. So I was five years old and I had gone around my neighborhood knocking on doors to get neighbors to prepay for my show. Okay. <laughs> so picture this five-year-old girl with her black lab, you know, and not leaving the front door of all these neighbor house, neighbor's houses until I had a dollar like to, you know, I, you know, pre-sales of tickets. And I got now, what kind of, what kind of show are you putting on at this point? Well, at that time in my life, I was really big on like, you know, all girl stuff, like being a ballerina and I was a figure skater and, and all of this. And so I, I wouldn't necessarily had... say girl stuff. James done a similar thing just years ago. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you polishing up your double axle there. I guess. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that, Dean, because I was going to go in for the same jab if you take that. <laughs> I had to rush in quick. 
I want you to demonstrate your triple sow cow. Yes, right. absolutely. Later on in the show, we'll be doing that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So here, I don't know. I, I, I remember because my, my mom was this um, Olympic figure skater and she taught skating. And so, oh, wow. so she was always kind of creating kind of music and routines using, you know, right way back then, you know, the, the tape and the razor blade and all that kind of stuff and splicing all this. And I was really intrigued by that. So I had her do a whole like soundtrack for me. And I remember asking my dad, like, where would we get like a hundred seats? And he's like, what? <laughs> so, so all of this is going on. I'm like five years old, almost six. Yeah. So I think my, my grandmother, you know, was the first to really diagnose it. I mean, she said to me, actually looked me straight in the eye and she said, Melinda, you're disruptive. <laughs> of course, as a young kid, you know, I didn't know what that meant. And now all these years later with phrases like disruptive innovation, I like to think that she just saw something in my character. But I've always been the type of person who's really curious. I always want to go out and kind of do things. It manifested in high school with me being the big party organizer. So figuring out how to get a cash bar for my Sweet 16 party. <laughs> so that took some doing. Did it work? Did you get the cash it bar? It did. It did work. I think maybe I looked a little bit <laughs> older than I was when I was 16. And I found this hotel that was going bankrupt so I got a good deal. I invited like everyone I knew and they invited everyone they knew. And I remember standing there negotiating this cash bar because the guy said, of course, you'd like a cash bar. And I think he thought I was older than I was. And I said, yes, of course, you know, without even skipping a beat. People still talk about that party. It was a long time ago. Um, but, you know, entrepreneurship manifests in many ways. <laughs> so I got a little bit more serious as I grew up, but not too serious. So the cash bar, and tell us more about the uh, this show. I, I don't feel like I heard the show that you were running around the neighborhood. <laughs> well, I was like a, I was a ballerina and a figure skater, so I did this whole um, routine, you know. And I think my dog was involved. I don't really, honestly, I, I was five. I don't really remember it very well, but I do remember <laughs> doing things like cartwheels through a sprinkler and you know that kind of stuff. So you went from you know the ballerina ice skating show through the sprinkler. You know, then, you know, sort of deviating off of the legal path to creating a cash bar when you were 16. And somehow or another, you said, you know what? I have the ability to make some interesting things happen. I'm going to start doing something different with that capability. Like what, where did that happen? Why did you start like a company or? So I went to McGill University in Canada and Montreal, and there was a daily student newspaper there. And I got very involved in the student newspaper as a journalist. And I love that. I love going out and getting stories, finding out really interesting things about people, about things. And of course, I've had a long award-winning journalist career as well as being an entrepreneur. And I ended up on the Times of London when I was 22 as a business correspondent. But I remember back on the McGill Daily when the student council, you know, was trying to shut us down. I thought, wait a minute, I don't want to be dependent on the student council for our money. Um, because they can, they're, you know, it's just the classic sort of journalist versus government kind of scenario, right? So I thought, let's get independent. So I created an advertising department for the student newspaper and then quickly realized we didn't really have a big enough reach or distribution. So I created a way for the paper to sell advertising credibly by having the first English language listing section for bands and and theater and food and entertainment essentially in Montreal and we got Montreal citywide distribution for a student newspaper and made money 
right? So while I was running around being a journalist, I was also trying to figure out how that newspaper could be, um, I hate this word, but you know, like monetized, like how it could make money, how it could sustain its operations without being dependent on this kind of student council. So the entrepreneurial journey, uh, it's always been in my blood. I mean, my father was an entrepreneur. My Aunt B, who I watched growing up, was Canada's first female stockbroker, um, which is saying something in the 1960s to kind of go do that. So I had some really interesting role models. I feel like we're <laughs> almost talking to like the uh, intelligent female version of Forrest Gump right now. <laughs> really? My mom was an Olympic figure skater. My grandmother was the first female stockbroker <laughs> in Canada. The school was trying to shut our newspaper down. Like, did you play ping pong with President Nixon or anything like that? <laughs> Not that I'm aware. I'm really curious. Not that I'm aware. But I did set out to live a life of no boredom, right? So, I, and I think if you're, it's one of the joys really of being an entrepreneur and, and also a journalist is because every day is really different. You're innovating, you're thinking about new ways to solve kind of problems or make every room kind of better than it was before you went into it, you know, as a, as a metaphor for that. So that's just kind of who I am as a person. And it, you know, I've had like, you know, successes in my life, but also, you know, times that, that are really, really tricky. Like if you go out to innovate or um, create a technology to solve a problem that you're creating a whole new market for, you know, that's pretty hard stuff. So I tend to like to take on challenges and, you know, the one that I'm working on right now, yeah, is a kind of crazy big moonshot to figure out how to understand sort of the authenticity of people on social media. So let's talk, let's talk about that for a second, because this is, this is one of the reasons I was really interested to talk with you today is social media is just so prolific and everywhere, you know, that you turn now, it's like, you know, a lot of people are getting you know, all their information from social media, you know, their friends are there, they're getting like, you know, news sources are sort of, you know, filtered in there. And there's all these different media outlets, right, that have never been available at any other time in history. And now they're basically right in your pocket. Well, there's so many massive forces of change. I mean, when you think about all of us, we all go on social media, and we share so much about ourselves, you know, our needs, challenges, hobbies, you know, tastes, the circumstance, a, a lot of different things. And if you know where to look in those conversations, um, you can actually start to identify people that would be potentially interested in buying your product based on what they're saying and sharing with their friends. So you think of sort of algorithmic technologies that are like the proverbial fly on the wall but also filtering and slicing and dicing this content in different ways. And so if someone, say, is creating a, say, a, a, a natural supplement, um, like a non-GMO natural supplement, well, who are the people who are likely to want to buy that? Maybe there are people talking about, you know, preventative medicine, people who are like shop at Whole Foods or, and talk about shopping at Whole Foods, or maybe there are people who do yoga or whatever. And so understanding where to go find your customers is what we do from really understanding, you know, who's sharing what on social media. So it's a real, it's, we call it social intelligence because it's a real time barometer 
like who are your customers, who are the most influential of your customers, that if you interacted with those people on a very personal basis and established a relationship with them, they would turn into your raving fans and go out and influence a lot more people like them to kind of join your party, right? Or to buy what you're selling. And so it's a social 3.0 way of looking at something. It's a way of turning what has always traditionally been a cost center into a profit center because we want to make sure that there's, you know, by removing the guesswork out of the social media, that you're actually getting the right message to the right person at the right time for the right reason um, and the right result um, and can track that around. So this is something that kind of blows people's minds, the, the fact that you can do this. And it blows my mind when people don't do it because why guess if you can know? It doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> so, but along the way, and what I was going to tell you is a story about authenticity is from analyzing these millions of social conversations, we understood that brands and businesses that showed up and spoke uh, with a human voice, like in a really genuine, authentic way, just like human beings, kind of like how we are right now, um, really outperformed everybody else that had this kind of corporate or faceless or just me, 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 me attitude. And the brands and businesses that had a kind of like a mission around that or actually like just demonstrated day to day from their daily actions on social media that they actually cared about their customers as individuals and as people. Those brands and businesses wildly outperform everybody else, like their competitors. And we noticed that they had a much better return on investment from their social media, whether it's measured by traffic or conversions or, you know, profits, earnings, even company valuation. And so we set out to create that score and it's called return on authenticity or your ROA score. And it's the basis of everything that we do for our clients. So I think when I first heard return on authenticity, I was thinking about, so Dean, you may not know this, <laughs> Dean has, well, he, he claims to have a dog named Pablo. And every time I've seen a picture of Pablo, he really looks like he's just a stuffed animal sitting there. I'm not convinced that Pablo is real. And so when I heard about your ability to find authenticity, I thought maybe we could run your algorithm to actually find out if Pablo is a real dog. <laughs> I don't know if it would work exactly that way, but... <laughs> okay, so maybe I... So I guess it's possible I had it somewhat wrong. In, in all seriousness, though, so you guys have some software. I, I assume this is software-based on some level? Yes, it is. I mean, it's, it's a whole mix of everything from natural language processing through to machine learning, artificial intelligence. So if I'm a company and I want to take advantage of your software, which I believe is, you said it's called Verifeed, is that right? Yeah, that's the name of my company. Yes, Verifeed. All right, cool. So, so if I want to, if I want to get a better return on authenticity for my own social engagement, like, do you, how does that, how does this work? Like, I'm, I'm just somewhat curious in the mechanics of this. Like, does your software monitor all of the posts that we put online and then come back and say, okay, like, here's the people who engaged or, or is it totally different than that? And I'm just off base. Yeah. So no, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. So think of us as really a hybrid between the technology and the actual service because all the data in the world means nothing unless you know how to act on it. 
um, and what to do with it. So start at that premise. And the first thing that we do is a pretty deep dive with our clients where we will look at like what they're seeking to achieve, what the value drivers of their business actually are, um, who their likely customers are, and set out to find more of those. And as we do that, we also use our return on authenticity or ROA protocol to do a social audit, like, like how are they doing right now? What could be better? Um, what could be worse? So think of ROA. I mean, you get a score out of 100. If you're like 80 or above, um, you're crushing it, right? Most people are in 30, 40, 50, and there are 10 different factors. And then we work with you to engage people and increase that authenticity score by doing a bunch of different things. I mean, really, first of all, finding your true tribe or your customers and the, influent and the influencers, developing the messaging strategy with you based on not only what you want to achieve, but who your customers actually are and how they talk so that you're able to ultimately personalize your messages in a way that are going to lead to sort of a viral uptake. So I, I'll give you a, a real world example. We once found 10 women who drove more than 9 million others like them to an Amazon shopping cart um, in the period of about four or five weeks. And so by personalizing and connecting really genuinely with those ideal 10 women, and they weren't, weren't famous and they weren't mommy bloggers, they weren't any of that, they were just regular people. But in them being so enamored of a product and kind of sharing it with their friends and their friends sharing it with their friends and their, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which was kickstarted by the company based on the data and based on the strategy, they were able to influence 9 million others to go take action. Now, that kind of ratio is not normal. I'm just going to say that's not normal. But the network effects inherent in social media means that if you engage with 10 people in a really smart way and they're the right 10 people, they can bring thousands more, tens of thousands more, hundreds of thousands of more, millions more. It's just a smarter way to work. So, sorry. So, so I'm super, super curious about this. So, so do you guys help locate those 10 women and then yes. help position the message for those 10 women? Yes. Beautifully said. That's and Yeah. You, you simplified it and that's exactly right. I mean, we do that. And also because the, the critical aspect of the authenticity, the authenticity is not the end. It's a means to the end. The end is a real emotional bond or connection with your customers. They want to know that you care about them. And if you care about them, they will care about you. And, and I joke that the, the reason for this now is instead of selling B to C, we're actually in a C to B world where consumers hold all the cards and they've been trained to expect this really uh, personalized connection with a brand or a business. And, and if you don't take that time to do that, nah, you know, they have lots of other choices and lots of other options the tectonic plates have shifted very, very quickly. All these folks have been trained so well by Amazon or Spotify or any, uh, any app that's out there to expect this very personalized connection. So that means that everybody, you know, to, to be heard or to be appreciated, you got to go do the same thing. So we take the labor intensity as well out of that because it's pretty hard to say, you have a big addressable market of 10 million people or 100 million people, you can't personalize to all those people. But you can segment them down, figure out who's the most influential and personalize to those people uh, to get the maximum lift. Fascinating. So while it may not help me actually figure out if Pablo Dean's dog is real. <laughs> 
it can help you grow your business. No, I mean, the point okay. is, it's gonna, it's, that's <laughs> the point. It's not going to tell you anything about Pablo, but it is going to help you grow your business. And it's going to connect you to the right customers who are already pre-qualified or already indicating by what they share in their social conversations that they're interested in your mission, your solution, et cetera. And so, you know, even when it comes to paid media, like awesome. Facebook now, it's so difficult to do anything meaningful on an organic basis on Facebook. So like in that case, if you're trying to do paid ads, God, it can take a long time to get a funnel working, right? And many the tens of thousands of dollars over many, many months. And even when it's working, you don't know why. So the other aspect of what we do is taking the guesswork out of that because we know how people are talking. We know what copy is going to most likely resonate with whom by doing this analysis first. So when you come to do those paid ads, they're just going to be much more effective, um, you know, quicker, <laughs> right? Quicker with less like proverbial licking the finger, you know, and sticking it in the air to see which way the wind is blowing. If you can eliminate some of that time cost, that's all good, right? Make more money, period. And so that's, that's what this is really for. Got it. So in the, in the spirit of the show, which is called Just the Tips, I want to make sure we get some actionable tips because I feel like, you know, somebody who's gone this deep into studying the science of authenticity, while you can't say, all right, well, you got to say this, this, and this in your message because that's tailored towards the particular audience or the people that we're talking to. But what are some of the key guidelines that you've seen over and over and over on what makes a message authentic and really resonate with an audience? Yeah, it's a really great question. And I think the first one is really knowing your own why, like why you do what you do. What is your mission? Um, and just really being very, very clear about that. I think when you're, when you're clear about your why, rather than getting, you know, talking about the how or the what or whatever, um, other people who share that mission are actually going to find you as much as you trying to pursue them. So that's, that's very, very critical. And I think from there is actually really being genuinely interested in, in your customers. I mean, understanding them and meeting them where they are getting to know them. So when people go on social media and a lot of big brands do this that should know better and they go on and they're like, me, 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 me. Like, look at, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And honestly, people look at that as spam. Like they, they just don't care. It doesn't resonate. It doesn't connect with them in any way. It's the equivalent of going out on, the, on a busy street corner and just talking at people. And they'll just walk past you. And the same thing happens on social media because people are on social media not to buy things, but to hang out with their friends, get to know new people, right? Um, learn things, connect. So if you, the more you understand them and like why they're there and contextualize what you're doing to make it relevant to them, um, the better. So really, you want to start conversations with people who are your target customers. It takes several touches to get to the point where, like it's about seven to 12, to get to the point where you can ask them to buy something. But really, make it about them. It's about them. It's not about you. It's about them being empowered to discover you, etc. When when folks do it that way, uh, Gary Gary Vaynerchuk is the spirit animal of all of this, right? So, and there are other brands and businesses that do this very well as well. But so, know your why, and then really care about connecting with people, asking questions, getting to know your customers, and really serving them. Um, so another way to put it is 
give, 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 ask, (laughs) give, 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 ask, you know, thank people, recognize people, share their things, ask them questions. Um, That's a great place to start. And anybody can do that. Can you give me an example of a company that either you guys have worked with or that you're aware of that was doing things like completely wrong or not well enough in order to get the intended result. And then they made some of these shifts. Like what did those, what did those shifts actually look like? Just like, I guess I'm looking for, you know, just a real tangible illustration of this because conceptually this makes a ton of sense. And I think where a lot of us get lost sometimes is the gap between, you know, the, the concept and the idea and actually like, and the execution of it. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. So a couple examples. Uh, we were working with a, uh, a robo financial advice platform that was convinced that its market were baby boomers and it because it was selling retirement products. So that sort of made sense, right? But when we looked at, did a deep dive into their product and their value proposition and their why, and then looked for people that were talking about that why and wanting that value proposition on social conversations, it turns out that their actual target audience were millennial women between the ages of 25 and 35. So they were going really for the wrong market. It wasn't that was a wrong market. It wasn't it was going to be as easy a market, <laughs> right? It's like, wait a minute, look over here, you're selling kind of to the wrong people. So that was really interesting. So they were able to, as a result of actually, you know, we were able to give them seriously tens of thousands of actual names of leads <laughs> that would be amenable um, who, who were in this and segment these women and then create a messaging strategy. So what in their case, what they did is they went back to the drawing board. They even changed the name of the company, completely rebranded. I mean, they, they did a whole bunch of stuff and, and now they're off and running and, you know, growing, you know, growing quickly. And so that saved them a lot of time and money because they could have gone to market like in a, in a different way. So that's one example. Other examples of people who do this to get into your, um, you know, the specifics, a couple brands and businesses to look at that just do this well, that people know. Subaru is really interesting because we were talking about Pablo. Pablo could easily be if you got into a Subaru with your dog (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Subaru is going to find that in your social conversation and it's going to, it's going to say, Oh, what a cute dog. Right. Um, it's going <laughs> to, they might, they might say that they may, we don't know for sure. Like I've seen Pablo. <laughs> they may just say, Oh, look, that's a stuffed, that's lazy a stuffed dog. Animal. Right? Yeah. Right. They could do that. Too. That's true. But anyway, what they do that's really smart is they just make people feel really special. Right. You know, and, and Red Bull does this a lot. They'll, they'll call out people who are just doing really special things and say, hey, wow, dude, that's awesome. Congratulations on X or Y or whatever, right? Um, and then tie it back. Um, Honest Company is an interesting one, Jessica Alba's company. On social media, it's not that they're ever actually selling products. Like, they never do a direct sale. What they do is they say, go on, admit it, right. you had a donut today. Because they're like the honest company, <laughs> right? You know, or, I mean, there's a whole series of examples. Challenge, of course, is that it's not a one-size-fits-all. I mean, because if it's about you being authentic and you being yourself, you presupposes you've got to know who you are. Like, so that's why I started with, like, know your why and figure that out and, and be in alignment. 
your why and your why, why do you sell what you do? I mean, we were working with um, an Amazon seller who um, sells a dumbbell product and there's loads of commoditized dumbbells that you can go out and buy. And so how is he going to differentiate himself from everybody else? And on closer questioning about his why, I mean, he's actually a cancer survivor and he used this different type of dumbbell as part of his his routine. He put his cancer into remission. And it turns out his why is really about preventing and curing cancer and getting people healthy. So in his case, um, now it's not just the commoditized dumbbell, but it's also this mission where he's connecting with people in a, in a more emotional place um, and helping people and creating value by you know, having content that goes out to all these folks who that's relevant to them, that actually helps them. So builds tremendous brand equity that way. So that would be another example. That's awesome. So I'm just, I'm super interested in this, but I, and I feel like I'm hogging the question, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Dean, uh, besides the obvious coming to Pablo's defense. (laughs) Yeah, I'm feeling sorry for Pablo. What kind of dog is Pablo? Part of the reason I don't believe it you, it was odd that you mentioned, you know, the Subaru example with Pablo, because I have seen pictures on Dean's social media of Pablo <laughs> actually driving Dean's Jaguar. And that was my first clue. I don't think Pablo's real. But anyway, I, I digress. Besides the Pablo conspiracies, Dean, uh, what what do you have to uh, kind of comment on this? Because I think this is pretty... Yeah, no, 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 no actual questions. Just a comment, though. Like, and this is why I've been pretty quiet, just kind of sitting back. Initially, I'll be honest, when you was first talking, I was like, huh, like, I don't quite get how it works. But then as we've gone on, it's just blowing my mind a bit, to be honest, because obviously everyone's on social now. And the fact that you've been able to help entrepreneurs and businesses take the guesswork and use this, you know, like probably hardly anybody's using social media and getting into it like what you've just been describing. So I'm just, I'm pretty mind blown by it. I'm pretty excited, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, there's a real, well, thank you. I mean, there's a real opportunity here. And of course, the challenge, you know, speaking entrepreneur to entrepreneur is that it's, it's because it's complicated, you know, it takes some explaining. Um, And which is one of the reasons why at this stage of the company, we're still relatively early stage that we really want to go in a, in, in towards the direction now being able to create a SaaS app that could be like, pretty much easier sell in a way, right? That it's just literally a social media Alexa in your pocket and it just does a lot of this stuff for you. So that's the direction the company is is going in right now. I mean, we're heavily service. Um, we work with people in a hands-on way, which is actually a great way to grow a company because you learn so much from your customers. Right. You know, uh, which which is really good and 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 shapes and 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 shapes that outcome. Um, but yeah, like so much has changed in the world so quickly and it is a lot to get your head around, but there's so much opportunity, you know, there's so much opportunity to go take advantage of. So, um, the coolest thing about being an entrepreneur is seeing those gaps and then helping, you know, and figuring out a solution. For sure. And not to mention you can uh, conjure up a cash bar for a sweet 16 party out of thin air. That's pretty cool too. Right. Yeah. That was an easier business. Let's not forget about that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely an exactly. easier one. So, so Melinda, um, where can people go to find out more about this, uh, this whole concept and the, the technology and, and the services that you're doing to, yeah, it's pretty impressive to find 10 people. And I know this is, you know, results may vary situation, but still to have a case study where you have 10 people who influenced the uh, 9 million people, um, 
<laughs> like I'd want to go, I want to know where to go to find out more information about yeah, that. So how can people uh, locate well, you and work with you? Yeah. So folks can go to verifeed, verifeed.com and I, I have a special offer as well. Right now I'm taking in a few people, um, business owners, entrepreneurs that um, I, I want to work with. We have like a pretty strict qualification process because I don't work with everybody. If you want to work with me, you got to be really highly motivated. Like you really want to succeed. Like I like to work with people who just really want to go crush it. So that's like, you know, number one and number two, um, ideally mission driven. Um, cause that's just life's short and that's the type of folks that I like to work with. And so we have an offer right now. You can go to verifeed.com slash apply. And if you go through that whole process, you'll fill out a like, quick form. You get a one-on-one -on -one consult with me um, for an hour. And plus, I'll do a whole bunch of things for you, like I'll find your um, top 10 influencers. Um, so even if you don't qualify, you get something pretty cool. And if you do, um, I have a special discounted offer. So folks can go to verifeed.com slash apply, and that's the best way. Excellent. And if you see uh, if you see an application come in from somebody named Pablo <laughs> with no last name, yeah, you know where that, I wonder where, where that's they came coming from. from. Yeah. So Pablo, if Pablo is real, Pablo needs to be my golden retriever, Josie. <laughs> Pablo just started his own Instagram, so he's coming up. She's very. She's very. Josie has her own account on Instagram that's run by my kids, and so they take. Josie has loads of followers on Instagram now. <laughs> and so yeah, my kids taken over her account. I think now that it's brought up, Dean, can can we please pu plug Pablo's Instagram account? <laughs> I don't fully know what it is. I think it's I think it's uh, Pablo Escapol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, join 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 his eighteen okay. followers. Okay, well, I should like look up Josie's account here now. I can't even remember, but Definitely. yeah, yeah, no, it's um. Dogs really are, I recommend that all entrepreneurs really, you know, have dogs. Definitely, especially when they're real. <laughs> and so on that note, uh, Melinda Whitstock, thank you so much for taking the time yeah. uh, to be with us today. Any of you guys are interested in finding out more about what Melinda does, which uh, sounds in incredibly valuable and interesting, uh, check her out at verifeed.com forward slash apply. And uh, Take her up on her generous offer to have that consultation and find your influencers and all that cool stuff. And I think that's a wrap for us today, you guys. Anything else that either one of you would like to add before we say goodbye to everybody? No, I'll just say uh, thank you, Melinda. It's been awesome. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank you guys. I had a great conversation. And, you know, it was fun. It's the first time I've actually revealed publicly what, like, about 300 people from Toronto knew for a very long time <laughs> about my cash bar. <laughs> Now everyone will everyone know, will and that's know. the and that's the beauty of this. Everyone show. will know exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to get free from the day-to-day -day operations of your business while making more money, visit me at jamespfreel.com forward slash autopilot. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.